Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. started a series called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Run the race, following God's plan for your life. And we have already gone through it. For those who are joining us for the first time online, and for those who are joining us in the auditorium for the first time, the, the previous messages that I preached are available by going to our website and also by going to our podcast. If you search for Glow Podcast with Dr. Lan on any one of the podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and so on, you will find all our messages available online. And I want everybody to subscribe to it because it will automatically just push it to your phone when you are subscribed so you can listen to it, you know. Thanks to my daughter, it's uploaded now every Sunday, you know. And it's also on, uh, on you know, our YouTube channel, our City Life. But as a standalone message, it's available on my YouTube channel, um, the, uh, it's youtube.com slash pastorland, youtube.com slash pastorland. You will find the message cut out, you know, just for you so you can listen to it. And it's also available by Sunday evening. So, uh, so I just want to encourage everybody to keep listening to these things. Um, and, um, you know, we'll be able to move forward. So today, because I, I have, you know, I have to complete this series today because we're moving to something else next month. I want to make sure that we cover some important things. So I believe I've stirred up certain things by the Spirit of God in people's hearts. And there's that desire from what we're talking about. I want to run the race. And God is already settling different things. I want to just land the plane, land it, land it today. So last week, I began to talk about the approach. So we talked about the arena, the athletes. Uh, we talked about the arrangement of the race. And we're dealing with the approach. So how you should do the running. So that's what I want to conclude with. So last week I started, let's go through the passage again. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, talking about the approach. There's a particular, our lives, our lives are races, our, our purpose is a race, right? There's an approach that you have to use to run this race. So it says, uh, go, go first of all to Second Timothy 2 5. It said, um, Yes, it says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown. Victor's crown, that's very important. Victor's crown, except by competing according to what? The rules. So there are rules to the race. Last week I talked about rules for the road, rules of the road that everybody has to learn when they want to drive in the state of Illinois. So the same way there are rules to the race. So we need to know what those rules are and abide by the rules so that we can be crowned. So I'm beginning to talk about the approach. How should you run your race? And I want to continue that. Also, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 24 to 27, Paul says, don't you realize that in a race, or don't you know that in a race, all the runners run but only one gets the prize. That's talking about a competitive race, right? 
But it says, run in such a way as to get the price. So in such a way, it's talking about approach. Do you get it? Run in such a way. So you can't run anyhow. You understand? I mean, those of you that have run the marathon, I have run it in my head, and I, you know, <laughs> I've been reading it. I mean, that's the first step. At least I'm reading it and imagining it. Maybe one day, it's, you know, it'll become a physical reality. But at least I'm reading it. And one of the things I'm seeing there is that there's an approach to running it. If you get there and you run, use all your energy. You know, you use all your energy. You get to a point where you run out of wind, run out of everything, and then you crash. So there's a, there's a pacing. There's a way you do it. There's, there's, you know, you have to pace it well so that you can last, right? So you can't, even your, your race in life too, you can't run it anyhow, right? Some people just, and then they will get to the middle and then they are tired. Or they get somewhere and they just quit. Have you seen people start things like that? You know, they start things and they're like, ha, and they shake the whole place and the next thing they say, where are they? Gone. They're gone. They use the wrong approach. I want you to look at your approach as we go through this thing. What approach are you using to run your race? Because it's extremely important. That's how you are going to last. You have to pace. You know, you have, you have, you, have, you know, you need people to cheer you. You need, you need all kinds of different things, you know, for stamina and all that in order to be able to get the prize. So please listen very carefully to the Spirit of God as we go into today. So you've got to do it. So he says, I run in such a way as to get the prize. So there's a particular way you must run. Uh, verse 25, please. Verse 25. Is that it? It said, everyone who competes in a game, okay, goes into strict training. Everyone says strict training. <laughs> so definitely there's some, some training, some discipline that is involved in the race. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I would love it if I can get NLT, please. We'll, 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 but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. So all athletes are disciplined in their training, NLT. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So discipline is involved in this race. Okay, so we all, we have to develop discipline. Go to the next verse, please. So I run with purpose. Everybody say with purpose. In every step. No, I run with purpose. No, I don't just do things because everybody's doing it. I don't just do things because it's the popular thing that, that everybody's, that is, that is being done or is the fad. I do things, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. How many of you know that our body will always want to get out of alignment? And the only solution, what I've seen is we have to train it. And sometimes the training can be hard. You know, you know, we, but we've got to train it. He said, otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So in other words, this disqualification can take place in the race. And he says the disqualification takes place if we don't discipline ourselves. If we don't discipline ourselves, it's like what does disqualification? It's like you just you just find out that because there was, there's no discipline and all that, you just find yourself on the sidelines on the bench, right? You just find yourself there, and only those who are disciplined continue. So you see some, you know, you're doing something before you know, just ah, why 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 am I on the sidelines and all that? 
So that's what he's talking about there. The word there is adokimos. It means to be, do, to be disqualified. So we want to stay in the race. And that's why we've got to have the right approach, uh, which is going to involve, uh, you know, discipline. So let me just continue. So the first thing I talked about last week is run your race with conviction. Rules of the road, rules of the race. Everybody say run your race with what? Conviction. And I'm not going to spend too much time because I spent the whole sermon last week on that. When I'm saying that don't run a race, you know, don't run your race with, with, without knowing. Do you get what I'm saying? That this is the race that you are supposed to be running. Don't just speculate. Don't just, you know, do it because that's what everybody is saying that you should do. Or that's what everybody is doing. Man, if you wanted to do what everybody is doing, man, I'm talking about my wife and I. Or if we're going to do, we're going to do things the way our minds want to do it. Guys, we probably won't be living in Chicago. Maybe, right? We will not be in Chicago. We will not be in Chicago. We'll be somewhere else. Nice and warm. <laughs> Houses are cheaper. Big houses, like Texas or one of those places. Amen. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we, if the only thing that keeps us in Chicago, the only thing, like the main thing that keeps us, kept us and keeps us in Chicago, is because we're convinced that God needs us to do something here. That if we don't do it, you have to look for somebody else to do it. That's it. You will have to look for somewhere else to do it. I've traveled to different places and all that. I mean, I'm like, man, you know, went to Florida that time, like, let us pitch a tent in this place. I just, Jesus, ourselves, or whatever, but then go back to Chicago. Let me tell you, when it comes to vocation, you don't go for where opportunity comes. You don't, you don't follow God based on opportunity. You understand? You don't, you don't run your race based on opportunity. Say an opportunity, a job opportunity just opened. Or a ministry opportunity just opened. That is living like Balaam. Balaam. How many of you know the story of Balaam? Have you read Balaam before? So Balaam was a prophet, right? And then a, a door of opportunity just opened for him. And they said, come. <laughs> you know, Balak, the king, called him to come. So he went to God. You know, please, you can help me find that story. That would be so great. Because I didn't have it as part of This is just coming from the spirit. It's not part of my sermon. So he went to God. This is important. He went to God and asked God. I want you to help me find it. It's in the book of Numbers. You know, he went to God and, and he, he said, God, should I go for this? God said, don't go. And then... Because there was a promise of money, there was a promise of things, and you just know that there was some, some glitter to that thing. He went to God again. And as he kept on going to God, God said, go. God said, go. I want you to understand. Okay, that's it. He said, God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. Verse 13. So God said, don't go. The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak of Israel, go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. 
So he knew the will of God, the perfect will of God was don't go. The mobile officials returned to King Balaam and reported, Bela refused to come with us. Verse 15. Then Balak tried again. <laughs> he went to God and tried again. So, so Balak, sorry, sorry, Balak, Balak, is it Balak or Balak, whatever one, tried again. Sent, listen, sent a large number of even more distinguished officials. The opportunity became bigger. Can you imagine? This prophet, distinguished officers, office, officers from a king just arrived again and said, come for this ministration or come to this town or come here. Than he sent the first time. I know the devil will pressurize you on your race with glitter. He will pressurize you. I've, I've faced it before. He will pressurize you on your race with glitter. I'm telling you, I could earn much, 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 much more than I'm earning right now doing what I'm doing. You know, son? I'm earning like somebody who just came into entry level, <laughs> at entry level, you know, with all my degrees and everything. But what I'm telling you is that there are things that will open up like that, and they glitter. They are like, come on, go for it. But God tells you, you go for it, you lose your calling. Stay where I told you to stay. So look at it. Then they went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. Pressure from people and all that. I will pay you very well. I'm going to make this one based on pay here. I will do what? Pay you very well. This is the devil's strategy. They pay. I have seen people that the pay has become the pacer for their lives. Pay. Listen, you can earn all the money in this world and build all the houses in this world and stand before God naked and ashamed because you didn't do anything I told you to do. And by that time, the houses don't matter. The money doesn't matter. None of those things matter anymore. So please don't let pay or money become your motivation for your race. You know, I don't have any problem with money, right? Money is good. We teach people about money. But you have to have the right perspective. Your race is not about money. It's not about pay. It is not about what you are earning. God will take care of you, but you've got to be where God wants you to be. Just come and curse these people for me. I will pay you well. So the money began, the money pressure and the people pressure and the opportunity pressure began to come on him. And it's when pressure begins to come upon people, they begin to receive revelation from the Lord. Balaam responded to Balak's messenger. Even if Balak were to give me this palace filled with silver and gold, he's still talking, you know, talking, but in his heart, I'll be powerless to do anything against the will of my, the Lord my God. Now the problem, he went to God again. He said, but stay here one more night and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. He has nothing else to say to you. <laughs> he already told you. He already told you. He already told you what you are supposed to do. But you are still asking, you know, people, this thing of I'm seeking the Lord, 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 I'm seeking the Lord. God is not like that. You already know what you are supposed to do. You are just fighting it. You are just fighting it. You had it the first time. You know it in your spirit. This is what you are supposed to do. But you are allowing other pressures to come on you. But you know what God does? Because God is a gentleman. Look at the way God will answer. I will see if the Lord has anything to say. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. 
but only do what I tell you to do. If you read that, you will think God changed his mind. If you read that, you will think that Balak, Balaam was in the will of God. No, Balaam was in the permissive will of God, not in the perfect will of God. It was in something that God permitted. Please, I don't want to be in what God permitted. I want to be in what God commanded. God will permit you to do certain things because he is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will never force anything on you. So he won't, he won't force you. He will permit you. So some, Israel said, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. He said, I don't want to give you, I don't want, I want you to be your, I want to be your king. I don't want you to be like all the nations. We want to, well, God said, give them the king they want. God said, give them the king that they want. <laughs> right? Permissive and perfect will of God. Now look at it. The danger of walking in the permissive will of God. This is the danger. So the next morning, Balaam is like, hey, hmm, the Lord has spoken. You know, you know, you come to share testimony in church, you know, I just received the ministry, you know, I just received this thing. Ah, it's going to be a lot of, you know, pay, a lot of this and this and that, excited. So he gets on his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials, excited. Ah, I'm finally in the will of God. But God was hungry. You are seeing the nature of God there. You are seeing how God operates there. God said go, but he was angry that he was going. God was angry with Balaam that Balaam was going. So he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. And Balaam and two servants were riding along. So listen, this is what is called destiny bumpers. Everybody say destiny bumpers. It's one of the operations, I'm telling you, it's one of the operations of the mercy of God. When you're operating in God's permissive will, you just discover that you are just bumping your head against certain things. <laughs> Boosh, dash. I, you know, the God that's supposed to be assisting you is the one that is now putting stuff in front of you to try and get you back on track. <laughs> I've seen people go through it. Usually when people are going through destiny bumpers, I keep quiet. I just keep praying for them. My wife was talking to me yesterday about, you know, sometimes I say, you know, what you do is that you pray. You know, so you just, you know, she was asking me a question. So you just pray for, you pray, so you know, we pray people through that, through bumpers before. And then they just, ah, you know, people said, I need to go here. I need to go to this, I need to go. I said, let them go. Let, let, let the person go. And then as they are going, you pray for them and support them that God will meet them along the way. And they just, ah, you know, pastor, that was just, that was a mistake, you know, but I'm glad, <laughs> you know. He sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. Blockers, 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 blockers. And you pray, you will fast, you will do everything. Blockers, blockers, blockers. Because you are going in your own will. You are going in God's permissive will. It is not, either not right or not time. And Balaam and two servants are riding along. 23. God help you. Please don't write on the boat with make sure you don't write on the boat with Jonah. It's dangerous. You ride on the boat with Jonah. <laughs> they have to throw Jonah out. You know, Jonah was running from the will of God. They were on the same boat with the person. They had to throw Jonah out before there was a calm. And the fish swallowed him. Destiny bumper. And then he was there inside the fish. He left and he came out and God said, go back to what I told you to do. So, in case you are in the belly of the fish right now, 
go and read the, story, the prayer of Jonah. Because it's not going to change his mind concerning you. It's not going to change his mind about what he has told you. Do you get what I'm saying? That you're supposed to do now. So please, don't let. Don't, don't stay in the belly. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into a field. But Balaam beat it and turned him back on the road. Balaam began to curse. You know, beat the donkey. Get back! And none of you are beating your donkeys. Beating the donkey together. They think everything, nothing is cooperating. You confess it to it. You, <laughs> you anoint it with oil. You do everything. Yep. The thing will go off again. People make that, that mistake also in relationship, in marriage. They beat the donkey straight. Just to get married to the person they want to get married to. Beat it, every donkey, straighten yourself. Come on, you know. Fire, pachaka, fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> oh, isn't the Bible awesome? Isn't the word of God awesome? Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed. <laughs> Between two vineyard walls. Verse 25. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, he tried to squeeze by and crush Balaam's foot against the wall. <laughs> this guy is suffering because he's in the, he's in the permissive will of God. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road <laughs> and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. He's talking about, you know, the first time, you know, Something happened along the way when you are in the, not in the perfect will of God. You know, you had a scrape and all that. Ah, Father, in name, thank you for your deliverance. And then step backward again because, there's, you know, there's, it's still coming. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, he laid down on that Balaam. <laughs> in a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. He so beat this animal that the anointing came upon the animal. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. I just hope that if you are in, a de- is in the bumper stage, that God will open up the mouth of certain things to speak to you. Sometimes God does that. God will open the mouth of your finances and your bank account. And, you know, and he will speak to you and say, oh boy, the reason why it's tough is because you are in God's permissive will. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? It asked Balaam. 29. You have made me look like a fool. Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, a sword with me, I would kill you. But I'm the same donkey you have ridden all your life. The donkey answered, Have I ever done anything like this before? No. Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell down to the ground before him. He would have been killed if not for the donkey. Verse 35. 
I mean, verse 32. Why did you beat your donkey those three times? The angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I've come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Because you are stubbornly resisting me. You are stubbornly resisting me. And that leads me to my second point. Run the race with consecration. So conviction first. Run the race with what? Consecration. Consecration is the act of making or declaring something sacred and separated. Consecration is you making something separated or sacred. Consecration is the process of presenting yourself to God and removing resistance. And removing what? He said, I have come to stop you, to block you, because you have been stubbornly resisting me. The opposite of stubbornness is yieldedness. And being yielded is a part of consecration. It's a part of consecration. Holy Week kicked off with an ex- example of that. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, when Jesus Christ was faced with what he was supposed to do. Go, go to verse 40, 41 for me. Jesus Christ, no, no, but let's, let's go up a little bit, maybe to like 38. So Jesus Christ was faced with the main assignment he came here to do on the earth, which is to die for us. So if he faced it, you are going to face it. We face it constantly. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room, left the upper room, and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives there is the Mount of the Press. Everybody say the Press. It's the Mount of Pressure. It's the Mount of what? That's where they press olives, and that's, you know, where, what do you call it? Um, oil, wine, or, you know, come out of it. Amen. It's a press. It's a mountain where the press takes place. And that's a physical thing, but it's very significant. When it comes to walking in your purpose, you are going to face time when you are going to be pressurized. You are going to experience a press. You understand? Things will push against you, just like what was happening to Belam. Things will be pressing you and all that. Hmm. This way, that way, this way, that way. Internal pressure, external pressure, all that. The press. So he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Pray that you will not give in to temptation. Balaam gave in. Amen. Balaam did what? He gave in. The, the money, the, the official, the pageantry, you know, all those things, you know, were, were pushing on him. That he went to God and said, God, God, God. And God said, go. But it was, in the will of, it was out of the will of God. The pressure will come on you. He said, pray that you will not give in to the pressure. Everybody say, Lord, help me not to give in to pressure. Help me not to give in to pressure. Verse, uh, let's go. He walked away, and about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed himself. Father, if you are willing, please, take this cup of suffering away from me. 
yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So basically, Jesus was like, this dying on the cross is going to be tough. I just, Lord, I know that this is your purpose. I, I know it. Now, the only problem, you see, the only thing that he added to his prayer, that Balaam did not add to his prayer, was the second part. You understand? Balaam could have gone to God and said, God, you said this and all that, but Lord, I'm going to do your will anyhow. And God would have said, no, this is my will. This second part, when it is missing in your life, you end up going by your own self without knowing it. The second part is called the prayer of consecration. Lord, not my will, but what? But your will be done. He prayed it three times. Three times, if you keep on reading. Three times. Jesus prayed it, verse 43. He prayed it three times. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will. You know, yours be done. An angel appeared from heaven and strengthened him. Listen, guys. This consecration is a very essential part of your race. And it is not something that you do once. This is something that you do daily. Jesus was praying so fervently. He was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. That's how tough this can be. And that's why the book of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, when he was talking about running our race, we look at him. That's what we're doing right now. It was like drops of blood. So if you feel that you are undergoing pressure right now, right, regarding part, think of pressure to the point that you sweat. You are sweating so much that it's like blood that is coming out. That's what he went through. But how did, he, how did he overcome it? What he did was that he submitted his will to the Father. He submitted his will to the Father and said, let your will be done, Lord. That's one of the best prayers you can pray. I remember one time, uh, many, many years ago, I think we were still in college then. God spoke to me. He said, he said I'm very powerful. I should have it in one of my journals. He said, I'm very powerful. He said, but the only thing that I give man that can resist me is his will. He said, I will not override man's will. I will not force myself on people. That is why God will protect your right to go to hell. He won't force Jesus on you. He's not willing that any should perish, but all will come to repentance, but he will protect everybody's right. So, God said, he said, so, this is what he told me there. He said, so, I need you to always daily submit your will to me. Because unknowingly, I'm paraphrasing now, unknowingly, you might find yourself fighting against me, and I'll withdraw. That is why every day in your prayer time, present your bodies, but your body as a living sacrifice. Present your life. And say this, Holy Spirit, not my will, but yours be done. I know I have all these plans, and I have all this stuff, but Lord, feel free to interrupt my plans. Feel free to interrupt my plans. I know I'm a planner, and I'm a planner, Lord. I know I'm a planner, and I'll, I'll present my plans to you, but Lord, they are just suggestions. I want your own will. I want good idea, not good ideas. Feel free to interrupt my plans. And I'll tell you many times, many, many times, God will give me his own plan, different from what I had in mind. And sometimes he will interrupt my plan. For example, this message right now, he's interrupted it already. 
when we came in. Came in there. Because I have, you know, do, 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 and then he will come and interrupt it. Do you get what I'm saying? Feel free to interrupt my plan. And go, so let me say, you will give God the freedom, the right to redirect you. Not with a donkey, not with an angel with a sword, not with a bumper, right? But by speaking, speaking to you, leading you on. You know, there's a place in the psalm, he said, don't be like a mule. Please find it for me. He said, don't be like a mule that you have to put something in his nose to drag it everywhere. You know, move. Don't be like that. Submit to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not, Proverbs 325, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. He said, look at it. He said, go to the previous verse, 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 verse 8 for me. Verse 8. Verse 8. Everybody say verse, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you. Listen. Everybody look up. Read it with me. One, two, go. Say, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Following God's plan for your life. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. So it's not all the pathways that are the best, that are the perfect. I will guide you along the best pathways for your life, pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. No, no, it will be a continual thing. I'll be watching. Hey! Land, you are off track. Get back. And if you don't have those checking times with him, you can be off track for a long time without knowing. That's why we have to stay in connection with him. I will advise you and watch over you. Now look at it. He said, but don't be like the senseless us. Verse 9. Or the mule. Don't be like a senseless us or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Don't be like that. No. Doesn't mean you are going to be perfect, but check in with him and let him guide you. Run your race with consecration. Run your race with what? Consecration. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 to 7, talking about Jesus. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offering. But you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in scriptures. That was the consecration of Jesus. He said, I just, you know, I just want to do your will as it is written about me in scriptures. That's the heart that we must have. And it can't just be something that is in your heart. You have to say it to God constantly. You know, we have to, you know, we, we say, you know, Lord, it is not according to our desires. It's not accord, it's not, it's what it's not what is convenient. It is what it's supposed to be. That's what we want, oh Lord. And sometimes God will say, pack your load and move to another place. I'm like, God. I was just about settling down. Just settling down. But he says, No, that's not, that's not it. I said, but, but look at that person. But look at that person. He said, well, if you're going to be looking at that, at that person, then you're not looking at me any longer. You're not looking at me any longer. You can't look. You can't. Because of time, run your race with concentra- concentration. You can't be looking at. You have to have, you know, what you are looking at. Go to the next point for me. I mean, I've jumped a point. You know, let, let's do, 
Let's do D first. Run your race with concentration. This is how you're talking about it. Everybody say, run your race with concentration. Run your race with concentration. Concentration now. Concentration. Concentration now. This is one of the other, um, you know, ways that Satan makes us flout the rules. Concentration. You see, this race we're talking about, you can't be looking in two places to get it done. You know, it's, it's impossible for you to look in two places at once. You can't be looking up and looking down at the same time. It's not possible. Focus. Can't be looking in two places. You, people, you are looking in too many places. Your life has to be about one thing. Now it can fly, it can go into other area, right? But it has to be a central focus of your life. In Luke chapter nine verse fifty-one, Holy Week, Holy Week, Luke chapter nine verse fifty-one. Look at Jesus Christ. They said Jesus knew that it was time for him to die. Look at it. You know that he was going to be dying when he when he went to Jerusalem. That was his race. That was the I was going to complete his race, right? He knew Easter was going to take place. He was going to die. But look at it. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. KJV says Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. Set his face. You have to set your face. Your face can be looking in many directions. Ah! Ah! Set your face. And sometimes you have to shut out social media. Distractions. Because social media, will, you, you see your friend that is doing something. And they're like, ah, that is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then you see another friend. Ah! And then you get into depression. You are not able to focus on what you are supposed to be focusing on. If God wanted you to be your friend, he would have created you as your friend. He, he created you as a Jew. And he put you where he put you because he needs you there. Can I get some amen? Only, only Joyce and David and my wife seems to be getting it. Can I get an amen in the house? Set your face. Set your face. So, concentration is set your face. Listen, you found that purpose, stay with it. It's a long time race. Set your face on it. Set your face on it and keep moving. Don't be distracted. John 4, 34. Jesus explained, my nourishment or my, 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 my joy is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish his work. You know, that was my, you know, where I get, I derive everything, my energy, my, it's like, I just, I just want to finish this work. I just want to finish this race. I just want to finish this week. It's my focus. We're offering him food. He was so concentrated on, his, concentrated on him that he said, you know, I, I don't want to eat food at this time. I don't, you know, this is what I got to do. You have to, co to concentrate. You know, food will distract you. Other things might distract you. You have to focus. You have to focus. And then, also, people around you, sometimes they can be distraction. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, you know, Paul knew that he was supposed to go. He was supposed to go somewhere. And everybody was telling him, don't go, don't go, don't go. You are going to die. Even a prophet came and said, prophet didn't say don't go. The prophet said that this is what's going to happen to you. Paul said something. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. If you go to the previous verse, he said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. 
Neither count on my life dear unto myself that I might finish the, my course with joy. So sometimes, you know, you, you, you know, people are coming, your family members, there are people that love you. Ha, ha, you know, are you going to do that? Are you going to go to that place? Are you going to do all that? You have to shut it down and move on. Not all advice is good advice. You have to focus on, the, on what is ahead. Take your eyes off what is in the past. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection. Everyone say possess that perfection. There's a perfection. There's a promised land. It's not yet perfect, but there's a promised land for which Christ first possessed you. I press on. To possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this what? One thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling me. When you concentrate, concentrate, you don't compare yourself with others. When you concentrate, you don't compare. When you start comparing yourself, you are not concentrating on your assignment. Concentrate. That's it. Do yours. Do yours. Focus. When you concentrate, you don't compare. Run the race with consistency and constancy. Listen, guys. Everybody, I want you to look at me. Look at me. I want you to look at me. I want to give you a statement. It's a long race. Everybody say it's a long grace. It's a long grace. It's a long grace. What you need is not speed. Mm -mm. Marathon. Those who run long distance, do you need speed? It's not speed. You're not comparing. God is not saying, oh, you made you first, first position. Hey. Second. No, that's not, it's not the kind of race. It's a finishing race. It doesn't matter who finished first or finished last because it is not the same race for everybody. Do you get it? So you are not competing with anyone. Take your time. What you need to be is not, what you need is not speed. When God wants to speed things up, he can do one thing that's supposed to happen Something that's supposed to happen in many years, he can do it in one day. He's the one in charge of speed. Everybody has to say, God is the one in charge of speed. What we need to do is to make ourselves nimble enough, lay the weight off, do all that, and keep working with God, and then God will do speed. What we got to do is we have to be consistent and constant. That is the definition of patience, consistent constancy. That's what patience means, according to the Bible. Patience is not waiting and doing nothing. Right? Patience is doing something little, constantly. Right? While you are waiting. That's the biblical patience. And I'll give you the scriptural proof for that. James chapter 5, verse 7. James chapter 5, verse 7. Defines what biblical patience is. He said, dear brothers and sisters, be patient. Listen, 
as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Hold on. How do farmers, don't go back, you know, how do farmers show patience? They don't show patience by just sitting in their house, right, waiting for the rain to fall. No, they show patience by, they go to plant the seed, right? Then they, they weed the thing. Then they, water, they keep on watering. Or they keep on protecting it. They keep on doing something. So they are operating with consistent constancy every day. They are doing that. They are doing that. And then the rain comes and then the harvest will come. So when the Bible talks about patience, it is not a state of inaction. It is a state of constant action. Little, little action every day. This is going to help you. Patience also lets you know that there are seasons in your calling. There are seasons of preparation. And there are seasons of what do you call it? Of release. Jesus Christ prepared for a three-year ministry for 30 years. Have you guys thought about it? Up to the age of 30, nobody had heard of Jesus. But for three years, he did more and left more than anybody has ever left in this world. He prepared for a three-year ministry for 30 years. Some of you, the last 20-something years of 30 years have just been preparation for the real thing that he's called you to do. John the Baptist, they said, and he was in the wilderness until the time of his showing to Israel. There's a time of your showing. And it is not always now. You are not always ready for showing. There's what is called the silent days of ministry. There's something called, what is silent days? When you shut your mouth and build your character. When you shut your mouth and serve. For everything, there's a season. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be silent, and there's a time to speak. There are times when God will put you under guidance and teachers so that certain things can be done in your life. And then he will say, okay, now, go do this one now. He will watch you. If you don't do it well, he will put you back under training. If you do it well, say, let's go. You need to understand that there are timings. They are timing. So your call, you know your call, but there's a timing. You've got to know. Preparation season, waiting season. There's what is called day and night. So night season, you know, in, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis 8, 22 says, uh, says while the earth remaineth, seed, time, and harvest, cold, and heat, summer, and winter, day, and night, and night shall not speak. These are the seasons of life. There's night season. When you are in night season, nobody sees you. And that's a good thing. Because in the night, there are some things that you are still doing. The only thing that is helping you is because you are under the cover of darkness. If you do it during the day, you understand? You are going to be in trouble. So God keeps you in night season. And watch it, you know, trains you in night season. Because when day dawns, when day dawns, those things cannot be tolerated. Just one word you speak is going to destroy everything. Summer. Winter. Winter. Everything is chilly. Everybody has to be inside the house. You understand? If you want to go out, you have to cover yourself. But summer, you are all out. Sometimes you go through the winter of life. Sometimes you go through the summer of life. Sometimes you go through heat. Sometimes you go through cold. 
Sometimes we go through planting and we go through harvest. You need to understand the season you are in, whether you are in planting season or harvest season. Can you imagine you acting as if you are in harvest season when you are in planting season? And you get all the harvesters and you start, you start raking all the seeds, you know, that you just put in. Hey, harvest! You start taking your seed from the ground and eating it. You are killing the harvest. You know, one time I went to Nigeria to preach. I was speaking at a very large conference. And then, so I was like, I was asking God that time. This was a, this was a very uh, interesting experience for me. So I was speaking at a very large conference. I was like, God, why is it that whenever I step into Nigeria or Africa, it's like I'm in a different season? When I step into Nigeria or Africa, it's like I'm in a totally different season. It's like I'm a totally different person. The rich, the, even the anointing, the, I say, why? And then once I land at O'Hare, <laughs> well, I'm telling you, you guys need to follow me to Nigeria. When I get to Nigeria, I'm talking about I speak to tens of thousands and people are running, all the top ministers, all of them, I know them, they're my friends and, and all that. And then I say, why is it that when I, when I step into O'Hare, and then I was listening, I was speaking at the conference, and Dr. Um, Mensah Otterbill of Ghana was also speaking at the conference. We were both speaking. And I sat down to his session, and he talked about times and seasons. After the thing, when we were in the, ba- in the backstage together in the room, I said, Sir, <laughs> I said, Of course, you are one of the apostolic teachers that I have always admired. I see a lot of things that you do that I want to do. He's an apostolic teacher. So I said, Sir, I want to ask you a question. Can you be in two seasons? in different places at the same time. Then he went on and said, yes. And he talked about it. He said, if I come to America right now, I'll be in a different season. I'll be in planting season. He said, but when I'm in Ghana and I'm in Africa, I'm in harvest season. Wow, that, that delivered me. So I told my friends then, I told him, I said, when I get back to Chicago, I'm going to behave as if I am not in harvest. I'm going to keep planting. I'm going to keep planting. And that's what I, I just, I just changed my mind. So I stopped getting bothered by numbers. I stopped getting bothered by any one of those things. I am just planting because I'm still in planting season. We're still in planting season. Once in a while, God will take us again to Africa. We enjoy some harvest. Ah, but we'll come back to plant. But there is coming a time in this city, in this nation, in this continent, when harvest time will come, a little one shall become a thousand, a small one a great nation. And you will look back over the years and say, what has been going on? And God will tell you, you've been going through planting season, but now I have brought you to harvest season. People will say, who is this overnight success? And you tell them and say, that's the longest night in history. the season you are in. Don't behave as if you are in harvest when you are in seed time. Say, I can't carry cheer anymore because I'm not in harvest time. No, when I go back to Chicago, I, see, I mean, I say, I'm going to carry cheer. Arrange it. I am going to be there to take, to join them a little bit, you know, because Roti has to go to the airport, but a little bit to take down this thing. I'm going to be there when they put in the lead work in there and doing that because I am still in planting season. They won't let me do such a thing in Nigeria. They will not even let me dr- dr- I mean, drive. They won't even let me do any of those things. When I arrive at the airport, there are people already waiting. They won't let me do any of those things. But in this place, I've got to do it. 
But there was a time I was doing that in Nigeria too. Are you listening to me? Get into your season. Sow your seeds. Sow your seeds. When the harvest season comes, you will see it. Sow your seeds. Serve yourself to stupor. <laughs> Serve yourself to what? To stupor. Oh my God. All right, please give me a few. Let me, let me, let me, let me finish this thing because I got, I got to talk about this one. I got to talk about this one. Run the race with a captain. Run the race with what? Captain. With a captain. So, this is not a race that is captainless. You are on the team. I will say I'm on the team. So, I, I will just join both of them together. Then my last point is also part of it. I jumped around the race with community, right? But let's talk about the captain. You are on a team, so you can write it down if you need to write. Run the race with communities, another one, right? With community, with, you know, people. Now, you are, even though it's an individual race, you are on a team. And the team has a captain. I'm going to be, you know, have you seen marathon, those marathon races? They say this is a world relief team, right? Uh, this is, uh, you know, there was a time there was an LDC team at one of the marathons that they ran it for the LDC and all that. You know, this is this team running. And then this is the team captain. Run the race with the captain. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, it says, this is how you should run your race. Let's read Hebrews 12, 2 to 3. Fixing, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Everybody say the champion. Woo! I am running with the champion. In fact, I should have changed it, changed it from captain to champion. You know, champion. It's a C, so it's accepted. <laughs> you know, run the race with the champion. Christ. I, I put Christ there before. I changed it from Christ. I changed it to captain. Now I'm changing it now to champion. Amen. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Instant change. <laughs> run the race with what? The champion. The champion. Christ, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, I want to tell you something, guys. This is not a race that you have to run alone. I told you there's a crowd of witness cheering you on, but most importantly, you have a co-runner. You have somebody running with you. His name is Jesus Christ. He has been through the terrain before. Hallelujah. He knows what, to face pre what it means to face pressure, as we see in this Holy Week celebration up till Easter. He, knew what, he knows what it means to be under pressure. He knows what it means to want to be distracted. He knows what it means to have to face all the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, that come against you to try and distract you. He knows what it means to face opponents and enemies and the devil coming against you. And he knows what it means to face the crossroads where you, your flesh wants to go in one direction, but your spirit wants to go in another direction. And he promised as our captain. You see, in those days, whenever, you know, like, for example, when the wall of Jericho was supposed to fall down and all that, Israel had tried and they lost. But then one day, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, Joshua was praying, then he lifted up his eyes. 
and it came to pass. And then he looked and behold, he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. And at this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? I want you to know that the captain of the Lord's army is with you. The captain of the Lord's army is with you. I mean, I've got it to a point where I wanted to quit in my race and my captain showed up. Hey, my captain showed up and he made a way where there seems to be no way. He made a crooked path straight. He removed the mountain that was, tra- that, was, that was troubling me. He took it away and he got me going on my race. I am not running alone. I'm running with Christ. Sometimes I'm discouraged that my captain will send somebody to me a phone call or a book that I was not supposed to come in contact with. I'll tell my wife, I said, how come this book came to me at this time? How come this book came to me at this time? This is what I need. He was my captain in operation. He's a champion. He knows the way. He knows the terrain. He knows the temptation. But he knows how to win. He knows how to run. He knows how to endure. Because he finished this course. He finished this race. And it's with you. You are going to last. You are going to win. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Come on, stand up on your feet. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Would he give us everything else? Who dares to accuse us? Whom God has chosen as his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who is it that condemns us? No one. For Christ died for us and raised to life for us. And is sitting at the place of honor in God's right hand waiting for us. Can anything separate us from God's love? No one. Troubles. Calamities. Persecution. Hunger. Destitution, danger, threat, threat of death. As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We have been slaughtered like a sheep. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loves us. You are a winner. I am a winner. Outcome of the race has been predicted, and I want to announce to you you won. I read the script of the movie of your life, I went to the end, and I saw that you won. So it doesn't matter right now. Maybe the enemy seems thinks he has captured you. Maybe right now you are facing a battle. I have heard the end of your story. I have read the end of your story. And I saw you victorious. I saw you winning. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are going to get there. We are with you as a church. You are running the rest with community. Christ is with you. We are going to lift you up. If you fall down, that's not your final state. A just man may fall down several times, but he will arise again. You will rise up again. We won't let you go. 
we won't let you go. Hallelujah. Christ will not let you go. He's holding you with his everlasting hands. Keep your eyes on him. Hallelujah. Be aware of him. Hallelujah. You know, Toronto came in here to the city. I'm not sure she won't mind. Discouraged. Discouraged. But I know you are going with courage. You are going with courage. That path that God has put you on, you are not at the end yet. No matter the challenges that you have faced, no matter what is happening to you, I release new strength into you. In the name of Jesus. To a new level. New opportunities. In the name of Jesus. Alignment. Resources. Everything that you need. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you are feeling discouraged, come forward right now. I just need a touch. Just need a touch in your wrist. Come forward. Come on. I want to just lay hands on people. I feel the anointing of God for alignment and for strengthening. In the name of Jesus, receive fresh strength for your race. In the name of Jesus, receive fresh grace for your race right now. Receive fresh grace for your race. In the name of Jesus, receive fresh grace for your race. Welcome, Father. Yes, fresh grace, fresh grace, fresh grace for your race. Fresh grace for your race. In the name of Jesus, receive fresh grace for your race. Fresh grace for your race. Fresh grace for your race. Divine alignment. Fresh grace for your race in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's rejoice. Receive fresh grace for your race. Divine alignment in the name of Jesus. Fresh grace. Fresh grace for your race. 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 In the name of Jesus. Receive fresh grace for your race. Hallelujah. Everybody say after me, say Christ. The conqueror. The champion. The captain is running this race with me. I will run with him. I will run in pace with him. I will keep my eyes on him. And he will strengthen me. And he will help me to get to the hand. He will correct me when I need correction. And he will encourage me when I need encouragement. I will finish my course. I will finish my race. Come and begin to rejoice and thank the Lord right now. listening to the globe podcast we trust you were blessed and inspired for more contents from dr land visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at pastorland on instagram twitter and facebook keep glowing see you next time